Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Well, hello. Hey, Emily. How are you? Hi, Michelle. I am so fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, things changed here in the studio while we were gone, and there's this huge table, and I feel like you're all the way across the other side of the world. I know. Everybody's so far away. But now we could actually lay on the table if we wanted to. Well, you know, there might be be (laughs) podcasts in the future when I really like the wine, and the only thing Mm. I can do is lay on the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So we're going to try to get used to like, you know, being so far away from each other. I know. Right? You're yeah. so far away. Know, but I'm good. Otherwise, I'm good. You okay. know, yeah. we survived the polar vortex here in St. Louis. We did. We had, what, another summertime the, over the weekend, 60, yes. 70 degrees. And today on a recording day, it's cold again. <laughs> <laughs> a typical Midwest winter. <laughs> so yes. if, you were, if you didn't already feel a little schizophrenic here in St. Louis, this this whole week has made you, I'm sure, I with know. our weather. I so. know. I could personally deal with a little more of that wintry, snowy weather. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I didn't do anything but stay at home wrapped in a blanket and, you know, worked on my computer and, you know, did our live show. Yeah, and- yeah, we had a little fun with the fact that we were snowed in. I mean, yeah. I had to venture out in the snow, but, you, you know, you we did. still still had a grand time having a little live show on Facebook yeah. and getting a chance a to talk with everyone. Of wine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was a lot of fun, yeah. So speaking of great bottles of wine, uh-huh. I have a great bottle of wine planned for us today. Yes. And... An absolutely amazing guest. As always, we always have amazing guests here. I'm so excited. Tell me about her. Well, I picked this bottle specifically for Deb Gott, who is our guest today. Deb is um, another one of these amazing people that I met at Medici. And uh, we are currently working together on a little collaboration, a pop-up gallery called A Trist on Cherokee. So we're having a lot of fun producing that. But Deb has many, many layers to her story. She is a recovering academic. She is the former employee of a spy agency. And she is currently the founder of uh, Boomalali Magazine. They celebrate life over 50, showcasing people who are living their dream in, in and write inspiration articles to encourage those to just go out there and and be all that you want to be. How exciting. Well, yes. welcome. Welcome, Deb, to Clearly Speaking, the podcast. Thank you. We're nice to have you here. I'm looking forward to this conversation and getting to know you better, although I've met you a couple times just recently in the past couple weeks, and we did have a wonderful uh, improv class on Thursday, which you dropped in, and now when you now that I know that you're a former employee of a spy agency, <laughs> yes. that one bit you did when you pretended to be the spy, oh, it makes complete sense now. It makes total sense. <laughs> we did improv. Yeah, yeah, I was so sad not to make it. I, I do love going to the improv classes, and lately my schedule just hasn't 
um, allowed for it. But I, you know, I think it would have been fun to share that with you. Deb Deb is one of the funniest people I know, aside oh. from you, of course, Michelle. Yeah. And uh, incredibly optimistic and just a bright light spirit, positive thinker. And that is part of what inspired this wine today. Okay. Um, it's called Jardin en Fleur. Um, so the Garden of in, of flowers. Yeah. It's a Vouvray or Chenin Blanc from Loire Valley. Um, you know, I I selected this because I know that um, that Deb likes white, sweeter wines, and so I wanted to go with something that was elegant and beautiful. I think this definitely accomplishes that. Um, I think right away I'm getting all of that stone fruit, so some apricot, some um, some pear, some. Um, Oh, gosh, peach, you know, and then also some pretty white flowers and a little slight lemon zest. I think this is really lush and lovely. What do you think? I agree with all of those uh, descriptions of of this wine. It is a lovely white wine. You know, it's so, so easy to drink. And um, yeah. it has like a nice... There's like it just makes you feel all happy mm-hmm. inside, you know. Even yes. even with you've only had like a few drinks, I still feel very happy with every every drink. Mm-hmm. It is um you know, it's the it's kind of like I know I venture a little out of out of the panty zone here with this with this um wine, but it kind of makes me think of sort of like a whole like um summer negligee uh, feel to it, you know, with like the matching robe, but like a real lighter satin or something, but it's yes. really flowy and with a, with a, like little pretty, pretty flowers. Very, very feminine, very, very um, elegant and classy. Oh, that sounds perfect. Yeah. I think I saw that negligee today. So Deb and I are working on, you know, we're creating this pop-up. So we're, we're, transforming an empty space. So we've been given the gift of just raiding a vintage store across the way. It's called Retro 101. And we are going in there and pulling furniture and garments and luggage and all these things to create these vignettes within our space. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going through all these gorgeous vintage negligees. Mm. And there was one that they had. Oh my gosh, I want it so bad. It's, it's like from the 40s and it's silk and it's flowery and it has the nightgown and it has a robe on top of yeah, it. Yeah. Pristine condition. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Well, this is what that wine makes me feel mm-hmm. like, um, much more so than the flannel pants <laughs> and uh, matching hoodie that, you know, we've been sleeping in lately. Right. <laughs> yes. That's a whole different wine, you know. Definitely. But, but tonight's wine, that's Might what even it, be more like a whiskey. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably an entire bottle of it. Yeah. So. Deb, what, are, what do you think? What is, what is your palate telling you and what does this make you think of? I think this wine is so delicate and so mm. sweet, and I am thrilled with sweet wine. I'm kind of a little crazy about that. So this is just, it's its delicate, it's sweet, it's lovely. It's like that little negligee, mm-hmm. that little pink slip dress mm-hmm. that we saw mm-hmm. earlier today. And uh, this is the perfect wine. Thank you for choosing yeah, sure, oh, no sure. I like it because although you say it's sweet, it doesn't. It's not too sweet for my taste. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely more of a, a red kind of a wine drinker. But, um, but this is a this is a bottle of white wine that I could easily 
usually mm. drink a couple of them. Absolutely. It's elegant. I mean, the French just, they know what they're doing. So, you know, it's... That's, it's, that's an understatement, <laughs> Emily. Um, and it's it's like yeah. 15 bucks a bottle. Right. So it's totally within the price range of what we like, that we to, like to offer, um, in. Yeah. offer our listeners. But I would like, if you could explain a little bit more, because not all of our listeners are local to St. Louis. We have a mm-hmm. lot of well, a lot of St. Louis listeners. So when you say Tristan Cherokee, our, mm-hmm. some of our out-of-town listeners aren't necessarily going to know, know what, what that, that is. And when this ep- episode ends, airs it it'll might be over. it'll be a it'll be a yeah a vision that's true we'll just have well, something we'll have to recreate in other areas right. right so so explain a little bit more just so deb i'll let you take this one yeah um, a tristan cherokee is is obviously the the it's it's hinted at by miss emily's middle name trista okay which is where it sort of came in my mind and it's it's really just an opportunity to showcase artists uh from the st louis area put them in gallery spaces that they may not have been in before and have a 10-day pop-up shop that allows us to really get to know their art and um, we're having a big launch party on thursday night which is going to be Mm -hmm. a blast yeah and that's what we've been really working toward is this amazing amazing experience and and emily can talk a little bit about the vip package Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, but this will air after everybody, after this is over. However, you do have a Facebook page, right? Right. Tristan Cherokee. And you'll have links to all the artists there. So our listeners who are just hearing about it now can go to that page. Absolutely. And like view all the pictures, view all the artists, Mm -hmm. and there'll be links and ways to get in touch with them, right? Absolutely. So for those of you who aren't from St. Louis, Cherokee Street is a very eclectic street in St. Louis. If you come to visit, it's definitely a place that you should put on your target. Um, It is full of antique stores and just really interesting boutiques and restaurants. It's got a lot of character. Um, it's kind of, you know, how like, I think Austin, don't they have the, like, keep it, keep it weird or keeps it, you should keep it something like, you know, isn't Yeah, keep Austin weird. Yeah, it's a similar kind of vibe. Yeah, um, it's very diverse. Very. And so, you know, something that we were inspired by, you know, I, you know, I'm an avid arts, a- artist advocate and, you know, I keep looking around all these amazing spaces that we have in St. Louis and I look at these walls and I'm like, these walls need art, you know? <laughs> and St. Louis is, uh, you know, has tons of an amazing artist. And every day I'm learning about more and more of these great artists that are around. So it just made me think, you know what? It's Let's, let's do some interesting collaborations where we can get exposure on these artists in different unique spaces yeah. that... Yeah. that you know, haven't been traditionally known to showcase art. So it's really about elevating, um, you know, exposure for these artists and um, and also providing a new um, experience for the Valentine season. You know, we're, we're very used to kind of kitsch gifts and, you know, edibles and flowers and things like that for um, a, a Valentine. But we thought, wouldn't it be great if you shared with your loved one something that you could keep forever that would when you looked at it you you would remember you know the moment that you got it it was a shared and, and for those of you out there like myself that don't have that loved one get to, it for yourself 
yeah. lots of things to make yourself feel mm-hmm. wonderful and special about. And uh, yeah, you know, don't have to always be looking for somebody else to buy for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. So that was kind of what inspired us to do this. And, um, you know, it's been very well received so far within the community and within artists. I definitely anticipate this being kind of an annual event. Sure. And, um, and yeah, and, and of course, Michelle, um, you're going to be representing Clitorally Speaking for us at the I will do my best, opening. you know, <laughs> right there by that wine, the wine, uh, the wine bar. I'll do my best, you know, yeah. to, to talk to people and, and steer them towards the right, uh, the right wine to drink with the right pair of panties. Yes, yeah. I love it. It'll be perfect. Um, but no, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So that's happening um, starting this week. But, you yeah. know, again. It, yes, it, it will probably, it will be done by the time this airs. Yeah. But. Um, you know, I'm happy to uh, provide a link to the Facebook page and those artists, even though all of that work will be sold. <laughs> <laughs> There'll still be links to them so yeah, that there'll be course. other things that they can create. So wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So I um, I have some questions for you, Deb. Mm. Um, I, I think it's uh, pretty cute that you are proclaimed recovering academic. Can yeah. you tell me what that means? Yeah, it means I got over it. <laughs> no, it was a I was a an academic for thirty years. I did kindergarten to PhD, no wow. stops, um, and then went straight into teaching at the university. So I am a product of the ivory tower. Mm. Loved the ivory tower, and then decided when I turned fifty that I wanted to do something else. But for Basically, 30 years, I taught communication at the university level and loved every minute of it. And Mm -hmm. so it was awesome. But one day I woke up and went, I just don't want to grade another resume. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which university did you teach at? Which one? I took early retirement from Cal State Long Beach. Okay, so mm-hmm. out there, yeah. out out on the West Coast. In L.A. In L.A. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Long 30 Beach. years out there, or did you bounce to a variety of universities? I went to a couple of different ones prior to that, James Madison University in Virginia. So my poor husband has moved 12 times <gasps> with me. Really? Well, that's not just in the university. That's across Over. my across my. Expansive career. Wow, mm. that is amazing. That's what he says. Well, and then you went to the spy agency after that, or I, before? I did after. After. Mm. So, are you able to tell us what kind of work you did for the spy agency, or will you have to then kill us? <laughs> it it could become a kill you kind of thing, but I, I can I can keep it very um, very unclassified for okay. this very conversation. Okay, so. You so yeah, tell what, us more. Yeah, what were you double o eight? Are you you know? Did you have a number? No, but I had fun getting there. And I told Emily, I will have to tell you how I got there. Okay, yeah. So so again, woke up one day, no more resumes, done. And I said, hmm, what do I want to be when I grow up? Now I'm fifty yeah. at this point. I said, hmm, I want to either work for the State Department and and go help with world peace, or I want to work for a spy agency. That just sounds fun. So I applied. Were you 
was this, uh, that is just amazing to me that that would be seated in your mind to go work for a spy agency. Were you reading a lot of novels about, okay, yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes, on the novels. Yes. Everything about secret agents Mm -hmm. and, you know, people that were Navy SEALs doing amazing things. And I was like, ooh, that just sounds sexy. Yeah. How do you even find, like, you can't just Google spy agency and uh, yeah you can oh really yeah you can oh my gosh um so so no so i applied for the state department okay and then i applied for um an agency that's here in st louis called the national geospatial okay. intelligence agency also called defense mapping for old, a long time right yep, the old dma defense okay. mapping agency okay and um and so I got I got interviewed by both, but um, but but the State Department didn't work out, and I went okay. Flip side of diplomacy, mm-hmm. intelligence, mm-hmm. right? It's two sides of the same coin, right? And so the fun part of the story was um, because they were only going to do a telephone interview. I knew they wouldn't hire me. Right, not by telephone. When they were calling out of D.C., they could hire anybody in D.C. And so they called me and said, "We aren't going to be able to to bring you in, but we would like to talk with you by phone." And so we had a wonderful phone conversation. And then I said, "They said, well, you know, we'd love to talk with you in person, but we just don't have the money to bring people this far." And I said, "Well, when are the interviews?" And they said, "Oh, we're looking at blah blah blah." And I said, "Oh, I'm going to be flying." To so-and-so, perhaps I could just do a mm-hmm. stopover and interview. And they went, oh, that would be awesome. In spy language, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Roger that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, I did this, like, big trip over to D.C. And um, when I did the interview, it was only supposed to be 30 minutes, but we talked for an hour and a half. And it was just awesome. And I had done all of this research online about the the person who was the hiring person. Uh-huh. And um, so you did your own intel and spy work. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did it. And so um, I used open source to do my research on this the, the person who was hiring me. And it turns out she was a major Disney person mm. because and she's all over Facebook and her kids and all this. And so when we went into the interview, um, I said. So you're a big Disney fan, huh? And she went, what? (laughs) And I said, yeah. How do you know this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I said, yeah, and I know you were in in L.A. You lived in L.A. And and I know that blah, blah, blah. And and so I was just telling her, just very, you know, very like this, just talking everything I knew about her. And it sort of wigged her out. Right? Oh, my goodness. And she was like, so we had this wonderful conversation. And then at the end, she looked over to the other hiring people and she said, you know, we're going to have to hire her or we're going to have to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that. I'm really glad he got the job. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that the other, yeah, the other option wasn't, you know, the tactic employed. Um but I am curious that, you know, people that work for a spy agency would be so out there on social media. That was how many years ago? It was many years ago. Yes. Okay. So things are different now. Well, and... Sort of. She, that's, this was her past. And so at some point she fell off the internet, right? Oh, but that makes you, sense. you the internet remembers everything. Yeah, and so true. I could go back before she took the job and know that she everything about her on Facebook prior to her taking the job. So that was what was interesting. 
So you were with mm-hmm. them for five years, ten years? Eight point five years. Okay. Eight and a mm-hmm. half years. Yeah. Okay. So what led you to leave the spy agency, and how exactly do you do that? It's very hard. They don't want you to leave. You changed I, yeah. your name, didn't you? I did. I thought <laughs> so. I did. I thought so, yeah. It's very much a name change kind of thing. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was actually a classic tale of woe as to why I left. Because I loved the agency. I loved everything they did, everything they were about. But I ran into the horrible boss. Oh. And, I mean, we, I had a period of what we called Camelot there yeah. that— Everything was clicking. Everything was working. We were an amazing team. We were building some major initiatives. And then the horrible boss. And um, I put up with the horrible boss for two years. And um, I just said, I'm just not digging this. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. And because, because of, of where I could, could and, and really couldn't move in the agency, it was like I either had to stay or I had to go-go. Mm-hmm. And so um, after much heartbreaking decision-making and a trip to the ER because oh I gosh. was there was so much stress, stress that wow. I just said, okay, um, what do I want to do when I grow up? Oh, wait, mm-hmm. we asked this before. Yeah. And I said, I, I think I want to have a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the resume, the mm-hmm. spy agency, the magazine. It all makes sense. It does. There's there's a connection there. Yeah. yeah. As we continue to drink our wine, we'll we'll find the connection. We're yeah. good at that. We're I good. Mean, at you know, that. I see. I see that you've gone well. Communication. Okay. You w- to a world where you could only communicate within your agency, right? right? And now it's like, okay, we want to communicate to the world these positive stories. Look at her. I She's think- only had a one glass. <laughs> A quarter of a glass. Just wait till I get rolling, ladies. (laughs) Okay, I'm changing therapists. I mean, you totally get me. Totally. Of course, I get you, Deb. (laughs) Yeah. So you started a magazine, and and how old is it? I don't want to like put your age out there, but I mean, how how long have you been doing the magazine? Um, I've only been doing the magazine for about a year. Okay. So so this is still a new transition for you. It is very much. Yeah. And so the magazine, like like um, Emily was saying, it celebrates life after fifty, mm-hmm. and just in you know people who are working and playing and creating and giving back to the world and its hero stories, mm-hmm. really. And it's called Boomalali. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll have a link to it. Which Boomalali is such a fantastic word. I love that word. Is and it a made now up that word, I finally have it... figured out how to spell it, yeah, <laughs> is it a made up word or is it no. a, like a real that means something in spy language that we don't really know? No, it actually is a southern. It's a southern expression. It came out of the fifties. Okay, this lady who was a big admirer of marching military members. She loved men who marched with music, like basically military bands. And so I guess she had a thing for them. And so she called a military man who marches to music a boomalali. And that was her word. It mm-hmm. came, like I said, a little North Carolina expression. And um, when I finally came across it in a book of regionalisms, I thought, I think we need to put a 21st century spin on it. And so a boomalali is someone who marches to the sound of their own music, which is kind of the way, you know, I had spent the last 10 years of my life just doing fun, crazy things. Yeah, yeah. 
And most of the women that we have interviewed on this show march to their they're own music. They're definitely boomalalis. All, all of them are boomalalis, yeah. even though they're, you know, still, some of them are under 50. And I'm getting closer to uh, being your target. You're, you're like, I'm just you're, months away. You're marching on that door pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm months away from my cover story. That's true. Yeah. Yep. In, yeah. the, in the magazine. <laughs> but I'm happy to tell you that a boomalali ha- is ageless. I mean, it could be a 12 year old or mm-hmm. an 83 year old. A boomalali is, is any age. And, and so just the magazine kind of was a fun way to name it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So online, uh, prints, both, just one or the other? Just digital right now. Just digital. Okay. We'll make sure to share that link. Yes. It's beautiful. It's a really beautiful publication. Oh, my gosh. The stories, the photography. The people that they feature, I mean, it's the writing. It's it's very well done. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Are you still having fun with it? I'm having a blast with it. And it really does coordinate well with a tryst, the, the, mm-hmm. our event, because, again, if you're telling hero stories, and those heroes are artists, right? Yeah. Or people who are really taking their art to the next level, or music, or whatever it is they're passionate about— mm-hmm. The, the pop-up store is just sort of the physical manifestation of the, the magazine in yeah, some ways very for true. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a quick break. Yeah, refresh, refresh these glasses. These glasses and yeah. come back, let's talk a little bit more with, uh, with, with Deb. Dr. Deb, agent number... 008. 008. <laughs> and, uh, you know, magazine uh, founder and uh, curator and curator. producer. And, yeah, uh, like, yes. She has her own thesaurus. That's <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. back what a wonderful little break we had got some more wine yeah had a couple pieces of cheese aren't you Good loving going. this wine i am loving this wine oh my gosh so jason um at the wine merchant helped us pick this one wow. out because i shared with him dev's preferences and uh he pulled this bottle i'm so glad he did every time i take a sip my taste buds just like salivate like crazy which makes me think this would be an amazing food wine well, it went really well with the two pieces of cheese I just ate, yes, so I yeah. have no complaints there. It is very, very good. Delicious. And I would not have known to choose a Vouvray. I, I would have been like, I don't know what that is, and I'll just, I would just, it's a pretty label, but I don't know what that is. I'll just mm, keep walking it's by. A pretty bottle. Yes. Yeah. So I'm now I feel really, you know, more educated. Uh, I yeah. would, I would try a, another Vouvray. Yeah. You know, I this definitely is a, would. A hundred percent Chenin Blanc. Yeah, yeah, absolutely delicious. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Thank you, Jason, for uh, yeah that recommendation. Us in this Whew, we're still we'll be getting more. We're still articulate, so <laughs> we appreciate that even more. <laughs> um, uh, you know, before the break, and you were telling us, uh, Deb, all about where you've been and the things that you know you've done, and it just sort of struck me that you've you've seen in your career, you know the where women were when you started, even in academia, to when you like left academia, where you, in the in the government side, um, you know, even out as an entrepreneur, you know what what women face. And I I was just wondering what kind of 
what kind of good changes would could you share with us? And and if you have like, mm-hmm. oh, if there's like, if we could just change this one other thing, this small thing that you know maybe people haven't aren't aware of, you know, mm-hmm. if you had like a recommendation, you know, I was just curious, you know, some of that history. Would you mind sharing with us? Of course, um, I was very very fortunate. I mean, when I when I graduated. PhD graduated. Um, I was in 1985, and I got to watch as I spent time in academia more more women, not only rising to like the chair of a department, but to a dean position or to a vice president position. And because these women just blazed the trail in academia for mm-hmm. other women, it really made a difference because they men oftentimes in the university were very much um, – it was very paternalistic, right, and mm-hmm. very masculine and – for every step that I was able to make in academia, there was a woman ahead of me that was helping, that would that would reach her hand back and pull you with oh her. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And it was. I mean, it, I was able to do some amazing research at Cal State Long Beach that put me in India because really? of two women, one who mentored wow. me who was had just left a deanship, and the other was a vice president. And they took me to the president's office. They took me to the to the um, to basically Sacramento and introduce me to people that were in um, at the state level uh, you know really doing some amazing things in research and if I hadn't done that I was I basically was doing research in global outsourcing which is not considered a woman's game yeah mm-hmm. but these amazing women made it possible for me in academia yeah and then the one person that I do want to give a shout out to and she'll never maybe she'll know maybe she'll know her name is Tish Long and I was fortunate enough when I went to NGA in Washington to work for the first woman to ever lead an intelligence agency in the United States. Wow. And her name was Tish Long. And Tish Long. Tish Long. And she was the most amazing woman. And, I mean, in a man's man's yeah, world. I bet. She it's was, probably still a man's world. Oh, it is. Okay. And she was mentored by James Clapper, who became the 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 DNI, the Deck Director yeah. of National Intelligence. And he, I mean, he literally pulled, just tucked her under his wing, taught her everything. I think was grooming her for a DNI position ultimately. But she she actually retired after NGA. She was there probably about three or four years, which is a long time to lead an agency at that level. Really? It turns over very, very because fast. They, because they move up the ladder? Or is it the stress so much? No, it's actually they want them to move across agencies so okay. that they're not just they're not stovepiped. After 9-11, mm-hmm. all the intelligence agencies were very stovepiped and they weren't talking with each other a lot. Oh. And so one of the things that came out of 9-11 was much more intermeshing of the intelligence agencies. And so they literally would move around agencies so that they would be able to communicate with each other and ensure this more, a very much more um, robust approach to intelligence. So what made her so fantastic to work with or work for? She was, she didn't try to put on a male persona. Hmm. She was a woman. Okay. She dressed as a woman. She, she had a feminine touch to things, but she was, 
she she led by example, not by command, right? Mm-hmm. Not by power. And so she would get on an elevator with you. And if you were in Washington in an elevator and she got on, most of the time, if, if a head of an agency got on an elevator, it sucked all of the, the <laughs> oxygen out of the... Mm. And she would just turn to you and say, Hi, I'm Tish Long. Tell me about who are you? What are you doing here? Tell me what you, you know, tell me what role you play in helping us to be successful. Holy moly. Yeah, right. right. So yeah, it sounds she like cared. she cared. Yeah. She cared about her people. Yeah. All I mean, there was no small role anywhere in the agency. How many people worked for the agency? That's something we really can't talk about. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There you go, Emily. Yeah. Okay. Asking those questions, yeah. they're going to get us killed here. Well, they, uh, for, and it, it's not so obvious, but just knowing how many people work for an agency mm. can actually put the agency at risk. Amazing. Right. Wow. Well, but, you know, when you talk about what Tish Long, how she approached everybody in her agency and her, she that she just never apologized for being a woman. Is that what mm-hmm. it sounds like to me? Never. And I mean, these are these characteristics that you described. I think are characteristics characteristics that every good boss should mm. strive to be. But then you left yes. the agency because you had a bad boss. Had she already left? Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. So it was yes. night and day for you. It was night and day. Through. So she didn't have to have a bark to be pers- respected either. It's you know it sounds like she was very compassionate and open and thoughtful of others. Which so many times I've been in situations where you know bosses come in and the way that they exercise their power is to start trying to tear people down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And usually they do that because they don't know what they're doing. Oh, I and, agree. And, you know, they yeah. they just want to control everything so nobody knows that they really don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. When you're like, you just don't know what you're doing and now you've made my life miserable. Right. Absolutely. Yay for me. Was, yeah. So was your horrible boss, was he over the entire agency? We're or assuming was he... it's a he. We, we yeah, like, I guess we, I did. We, I totally just totally assumed. totally jumped because, you know, there have been women out there I'm that are sorry, horrible bosses. Guys. Yes. But, um, you know, let's ask before we yeah. just throw <laughs> genders out there. Hashtag no judgment. <laughs> Hashtag no judgment. But See, that was me projecting my horrible boss experience. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So he was, your horrible boss was male? For... He was. Oh, okay. But... Woo, lucky boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he was not at the top of the agency. This was okay. this would have been my probably, you know, two above me. Mm-hmm. And basically everything we had built under Tish Long that had built into an a, a national initiative, um, he came in and started systematically dismantling. Oh and goodness. she had Sounds already like left. somebody we know in our White House. Yeah, this would have been pre that, pre oh, yeah. pre pre that president. But yeah, he just he systematically dismantled everything we did. Was this his his way of trying to show that he knew something by um, disregarding the the values that were put in place by the past? Um, I think he was ignorant of what we did because he was an engineer. And he was brought in in a senior role over an organization that was primarily based on social science and engineers and social scientists don't mix. mix. And he he just didn't think a lot of social science, yet the very the very organization that he took a lead in 
was a, one driven by social science. And so he started dismantling it because he didn't see its value. Mm. And um, the only good news part of the story is that that after I left, he was actually sort of, he was banned from the kingdom. He was sent um, he was sent to a far-flung place. <laughs> really? Well, that's the U.S. version of Siberia. Yes, that's. Like that. I'm, I'm glad. So, was it your departure, or how? The, did a lot of people leave? Like, how did people finally realize that this was not the best leader for the organization? Um, because the morale of the of the organization went from off the charts, fantastic to the pits. And we were losing not only um, government people, but we were losing contractors. Contractors don't leave. They're paid a lot of money and to stay no matter what. And we were losing contractors even left and right, and they couldn't replace them fast enough. And so um, it was was his own his own willful ignorance that ultimately got him. Well, I would expect, though, that, I mean, you seem to be a pretty resilient person, you know, uh, academia, spy agency, you know, magazine. I mean, how bad was it that you left because, I mean, like, were you, was it life or death for you? Well, no, it was it was being sidelined from the things that the thing that I love the most about my job. And so first it was dismantling my department, then it was dismantling the the team that I'd put mm. together. And then it was once the team is dismantled, then it was sidelined you put you at a desk and mm. give you no work mm. oh my gosh. to do for over a year. And I'm like, I am a you know, I am a crazy overachiever mm-hmm. and literally I would sit at my desk and have to read because I had no assignments to do. And it finally, I just, I, it, that's what broke me is just complete inertia. Inertia. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And it's like he kind of knew if he did that to you, mm. that that would be what would get you get you gone. Yeah. And chances are good that, uh, you know, whether that was a strategy or not, it worked. Yeah, gosh, what? A, yeah. Well, I guess on the on the bright side, you know, because I yeah. do try to look on bright sides here at the Clearly Speaking the podcast. You have this fantastic magazine. Yeah. You feature great good news stories. We got to know you here mm. in St. Louis. You stayed in St. Louis. Yes. You didn't leave when all this happened, and uh, you know, and you're creating you're creating here Very cool true. things, you know. And so maybe had he not. Had he not shown up, you'd still be doing wonderful things for our country and keeping us safe and 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 on the intelligence side. But well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get to know you. <laughs> Very true. Well, Emily and I have called it the best worst thing that ever happened to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I have a similar a similar story. You know, I I was um, at one point in my career, I I'd spent a long time with one company, and I like Deb and an overachiever. You know, I can definitely speak to on Deb's behalf. I get text messages for, at 4.30 in the morning from her, by the way. <laughs> oh, my. And, and so, she responds. Because yeah, I'm like, still up. <laughs> yeah, or, or you're just getting up to start your day. Yeah, don't text me at 4.30. I'm going to lay it out there right now. I, I won't. If I respond, it's gibberish. And right. It's just because I rolled over and I knocked my phone. Yeah. Yes, I get it. So, you know, definitely um, um, an overachiever type personality. And, you know, during this time, I was just at the top of my game and the top of the industry and making a lot of really interesting things happen 
And the company decided that it was time we had grown enough to bring in a sales manager. We had just been operating as a sales team directly under the president of the company. He's like, okay, we're big enough. Now I need somebody in the middle. And he brought in this guy who um, was a hockey coach by night for his kids' hockey team. Well, that's enough right there. And he came in and wanted to hockey coach us, you know? And so I remember... Come on, let's get around the circle now. Come on, everybody. everybody, I know. Take a knee. (laughs) First time I sat down with him, I'm like Deb. I'm very optimistic. I was not threatened at all by the fact that we had a new person coming in. I was excited because, you know, I always... Growth is good, you know? So I sat down. I was like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And and I was like, oh, you know, I just thought it was going to be a two-way conversation. And he shut it down, and he started asking me questions using jargon that I was unfamiliar with. So I was like, can you explain to me what you're asking me? And he interrupted me mid-question and said, with all kinds of vulgarity, you know, like, when are you effing going to get it straight? You know, I'm going to effing poke you in your eye until you do what I say. And I mean, just like, this is our first conversation with the guy, you know? And meanwhile, with the guys, they were like buddies in the locker room. And he'd talk about boobs and all kinds of things around them, you oh, know? Oh, so charming. Oh, it was... yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's so, a coach for his son's uh, hockey. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he just he has probably just passed on all kind of good behaviors oh. to those those kids. I dealt with it for a year. I gave it a year, and I was like, you know, I know that change is hard, and sometimes <laughs> I'm going to try my best. And I finally, after a year, I was um, my morale had diminished. I was no longer feeling like I was the top in the industry. I was really, I was beat up by him on a regular basis. He'd leave me voice messages that were just cursing at me up and down. And so I finally got to a place after an ER visit, having an anxiety attack where I couldn't breathe and, you know, the ambulance taking me there. I was like, I, I've got to move on. I got to do something else. So I talked with the owner of the company and I was like, look, I've given this a year and, you know, here's some of the voice messages that I get on a daily basis. And here's here's how I'm being treated. And I, I can't do this anymore. They actually let the guy go. Oh, they did? They did. They listened to you. They did. Yeah. Wow. But that was stunned. one of the toughest, horrible bosses stories that, you know, that one was. But okay, that, so how that did that turn me. out to be your best, worst thing? Well, because they shifted they actually gave a new position to me at that point in time. Okay. They reinvested in me. They showed me that they cared about me and um, actually ended up kind of giving me um, more um, responsibility. And it ended up being really good. And then another six years go by. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I was ready for a change. But, wow. you know, it was it was a good job well, when, I was, when I was there. And it was just nice to see them reinvest in me and... And believe in me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, have you had any horrible bosses, Michelle? Uh, yeah. Well, I have. Nothing nearly as um, devastating as what you you guys have described. Um, one of my first bosses out of graduate school. Uh, I it took me a couple years <laughs> to finally figure out that when he would come into my office and say, "So, Michelle." what do you think about, and he'd pose some kind of question about what, you know, X, Y, Z. And then I would reflect and I would answer honestly, 
I, I would give a lot of thought to it. And then he'd say, I don't think you heard me. What do you think about? And he'd repeat the question. And I'm like, well, I thought I just answered it. I finally learned after working with him for a couple of years, like, he doesn't really want to know what I think. He wants me to say, well, I'm not so sure. What are you thinking? You know, and then he would go on and talk about all of his ideas and all he wanted me to do was, you know, say yes or no. But I mean, he came in, he was like, what do you think? He also was the kind of guy that said, you know, Michelle, the day starts at eight, not 8.05. Oh my God. And then I would say, well, how many times did you take your kids to daycare? None, because your wife stayed home. Thank you very much. You know. (laughs) Was he also stealing? Did he ever steal your ideas and present them as his own? You know, it was a long time ago. He might have, and I probably just pushed it down. I remember one of the other things he would do, and I couldn't stand this. Um, I hate, I hate employee reviews, which is a really good thing that I practically work by myself. Um, And at Clitorally Speaking, I mean... Well, Emily, I I know how to get to you for a good employee (laughs) review. I just, I I know the bottles of wine to get for get Some bubbles. Some Some bubbles. bubbles, Some shedding of the pop, you know, I've got you down. (laughs) But uh, every time for my review, uh, one of the things was like getting along with your, with other people, right? Getting along with people. And there were two people in the organization that were just, they were sourpusses. And you never knew if when you're passing them in the hallway, if they were going to be like, hi, or growling at you, right? So I just quit saying hello. And so he gave me like a C, like a three on, you know, getting along with others. And I said, what the hell? You know, because that's, I'm an overachiever. So if you're giving me a, a three, that's a C average. And I'm an A. I'm, right. a, I'm an above. Because you're an overachiever I'm an also. Overachiever also. Yeah, this is therapy for, mm-hmm. for overachievers on our podcast. But, um, and he said, he goes, well, you know, you just, you can't get along with, you know, X, Y, you know, these two, these two people. And I said, yeah, but what about the 48 other people in the organization? I get along with fine. Why are these two people? And why aren't anybody calling them out on their behavior? And, um, yeah, I left after about four and a half years and it was fine. It was a first job out of, mm. out of grad school. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I am very happy doing what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. and I I love what we're doing. And but I think it would be fun if our listeners out there would like send us an email oh about their gosh. best worst thing or their worst boss, Absolutely. or something that happened to them that they then turned into some like a, a really great opportunity. And you know you can email that to us, or you can call our our comment line, which is. Emily, take it away. Our comment line is 812-727-0794. Sam is chuckling right now, which is Emily really- Emily <laughs> did dash across the room to grab that card with the phone number on it. We still haven't memorized know, it. Maybe by the time we get into and, season two, we'll have and, it memorized. And we start our podcast, by the way. We should sometime just take a picture of everything that we do to start this thing because <laughs> we have a table spread, we have napkins, we have wine, we have water. We do all this work to set up our, to set up our stage, and yet- I Wait. never remember the card with the numbers. <laughs> so, so you can call us with your best worst best worst thing or, or your worst yes. boss story. Or you can email us at clitoralyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com and also, um, you know, uh, share with us your story. That would be awesome. Yes, um, we, we have that. a We have a few more sips left. I don't want to completely monopolize the conversation here. I know. But, yes. Um, yeah. Deb, have you had any other best worst things? That have completely transformed your life. Uh, 
Probably that one is so overwhelming. Uh, fortunately, I've had never had anything quite that stressful. That one, that one took the cake. Uh, I think anytime you make a change, anytime yeah. you you decide that you want to do something completely different, uh, you can sometimes convince yourself that it was a terrible, horrible mistake, mm-hmm. right? Why did I do it? I should have never done that. And I think part of that is coming to an understanding that it takes time to realize exactly whether or not something was indeed a worst thing, right? right? Because you almost have to have hindsight in order to completely completely understand the ramifications of something. So that that was the capper, though. Well, because these things take time to wear you down. Yes. You know, and they take time to recover from. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess our listeners out there, if you, you know, if you're facing something like that right now yourself, just, you know, realize that over time, um, it might be, you might be more, um, uh, it might be revealed to you more of why this situation happened and why you made the change or, or, you know, oh, I, a friend of mine said, you know, when, well, we've all heard this cliche in some form or other, I'm not going to say that my friend was like the creator of it, <laughs> but was like, you know, when a door closes, another one opens right. or, you know, everything happens, everything for, a happens reason. for a reason. There's lots of them out you there. You dodged a bullet, right. you know, things like that. Um, yeah. But, it's so true though. But when you're right in the middle of it, it sucks. You hate hearing that too. You, you really, really and like, I apologize to all of our listeners who might well, be in that right now. We are in no way minimizing well, what you're feeling. Look at the best worst thing that happened to me last year. So well, last I was meeting me. <laughs> well, no. Well, well I met you before years, last yeah. year, yeah. and that was yeah, and that's the, not best, the best, best worst thing, thing yeah. actually. No, <sighs> the best worst thing last year was like right around April. I came home, and yeah. I had been leasing um, an apartment, and. A great place. I loved my home. I had been there for four years. I was settled in. I had, you know, it was the penthouse. It went well. It was. It, it was, was the penthouse. It was had a great view. And and just how like my art, everything, the way it just filled out the place. It was we were meant to be together, you know. But we kept getting little signs from the universe that maybe it was time for us to leave. Like the pool above us was leaking in. We had <laughs> we had been nearly attacked walking the dogs a couple of times. We had had some kind of and the incidences had been amplifying and and getting closer and closer together. And but yet we kept ignoring the universe because it was like, but we love our home, you know. And then we came home with a notice on our door of eviction, a 10-day notice to vacate the premises due to foreclosure. Ooh. So the yes, yeah, so the, who we were leasing it from had foreclosed on the property and we found out at the very end of the process. And you you saw there. my place, yeah, like yeah. moving out of my place in 10 days is impossible, <laughs> like without yeah. having a place to go and yeah. everything. So um, it all worked out. You know, I ended up negotiating time with the bank who foreclosed on the property and I, I worked it out and we got three months to figure out our situation. And now I have a beautiful home with a yard and the a dogs neighborhood are we very love. Happy. Happier than they've ever been. Yeah. Like they are just they have a backyard to run around oh in and gosh. bark at people walking by. You live in a great neighborhood with yes. lots of wonderful restaurants and it's a community. Cafes. Like yeah. the neighbors I really love. And in fact, Deb got to meet one of my neighbors today. She's an incredible <coughs> artist who's yes. gonna be featured. And so it's just 
it it was traumatic. I'm sure I got some gray hair. If I didn't, you know, if well, I we wasn't magically blonde, yeah. I probably would have some gray hair as a result of that um, that event. But it was definitely a best worst thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for women is to realize when your health is starting to take a downturn because Mm. of work, that's when you really need to be awake and aware. Because when you are are starting to not sleep and you are starting to stop exercising because you just don't feel like it anymore and your morale starts breaking down your health, that's when you need to make a change. Emily and I both wound up in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up with... um, global transient amnesia. Wow. Basically, what is that? Well, it's it's basically your brain shuts down because of so much pain that it's experiencing oh psychically. Gosh. And so it just shuts down. It's like a woman who is who has this uh, superpower if a child is in a right, car accident right, yeah. and she has this rush of adrenaline and she can pick the car up, yeah. right? Oh well, the same thing is in the same way that your body shuts down when it has too much physical pain, your mind can shut down when it has too much psychic pain. And so but that's what happened to me. I literally walked into the the, the little nurse's station and said, I think... I think I'm in trouble, and I don't remember any of this. And I said, I think I'm in trouble. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I think you should call an ambulance. And, I mean, then the next thing I knew, I woke up and I was in the ER with, like, all of the interns staring at me because it's really rare to experience this amnesia. And it's basically you wake up and you—I don't remember anything. It blacked out. Do you—so do you—so you don't remember walking into a nurse's station— Still to this so, day, you don't? No. Okay. So it's amazing that you had the awareness to say, I'm not right, and go to a nurse's station. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. But later I went back and talked to him. I said, what happened? They said, you walked in and you said, I think I'm in trouble. And the other thing that I kept saying over and over to them and the, the people at the ER was, my, bra- my boss broke my head. Oh, my, my gosh. Boss my boss broke my head. Wow. My boss broke my head. They would say, what happened? My boss broke my head. I remember none of this. And so I don't, I, I didn't, I was not even aware I was in the ER until I was on the way home. My husband had, had come to get me at the ER. And, oh, um, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? You know, it sounds like the beginning of a spy novel. It does. It does. <laughs> my boss broke my, my head. Boss broke my head. She awoke. I know. And the Couldn't only remember thing anything. She could say was, my boss <laughs> broke my head. Oh my gosh, that's so, traumatic. Ladies, if your health starts to suffer, mm-hmm. that's when you do a check. Right. right. And make sure. Well, and and like I, I always say, your body's going to tell you when something's wrong. And you just have to be listening to it so it doesn't finally hit you over the head with a with a cast iron pan that mm. makes you think, oh, okay, now I'll pay attention. Because your body will let you know, and it could be your sleeping patterns. It could be how much you eat or not eat. It could be, you know, your whether or not you want to engage with anybody, you know, um, it's it's very very important to to listen and to also value yourself that your jo- no job is worth dying mm. for no job is worth 
ending up in the hospital. No job is worth having a boss break your brain. You know, there's always something else you can do. You know, women are resilient and um, resourceful and entrepreneurial. And Mm -hmm. that worst thing can be the the catapult to the the best thing ever. Indeed. Yeah. What was your was your husband seeing this kind of gradual demise in you? And was he saying anything to you about it? Like maybe it's time for you to get out or yeah. Sure. And I, 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 he was very, very concerned for probably a year. And, Mm. but he also, you know, lets me, he lets me be who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have this tenacity and I don't like to give up. And to me, if I had walked away, it would feel like giving up like a defeat yeah right and so it took the er visit well and you believe in what you were doing too you know and if you were to just walk away you may have felt that you were you were letting the people that you worked that worked for you down right sure i you know hands up in the air bye i can't do this anymore you know good luck america yeah as an overachiever as a leader you know at the top of your game i mean you just you have responsibilities that we feel responsible for the people that work for us you know and so i can see where that was a struggle for you but when the body says no done god i'm gonna save you by having this happen to you because you are supposed to be here for a lot longer than what this job was about. You're supposed to be making a bigger impact on the world and for our community than what that job was all about. And so the body saved, your body saved you. My body saved me. She, it's it's neat. I mean, what, what you were doing with the agency, um, you know, had a global impact, I'm sure. But I love what you're doing now and how you directly get to con- to connect with individuals and have change one-on-one with people. That's really important. And as a magazine, you should touch more than one person. But I know as a consultant, somebody who's like working with people to help them realize their dreams, you get a chance to get all of these other pillars in place that then can in turn impact the world in their own way. So that's a really beautiful thing. It is impacting the world one person at a time, Mm -hmm. right? one listener at a time. Right. We impact the world. One listener, one person at a time here on, on Clearly Speaking, the podcast. Well, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Deb. I'm so glad Thank you're able you. to make it down, have some um, vouvre with us. Yeah. And to share your story. And I look forward to getting to know you more. Come to improv some more yes. because we have so much fun. we. <laughs> and uh, I'll see you guys, I'm sure, I'll see you guys on Thursday yes. for, for the pop-ups. And, uh, and this is just lovely. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for thank staying you. committed to our town and for all you've done for our country and your and your service to our country and um, and yeah. your just never failing optimism yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah. well you girls are my heroes oh. too. So <laughs> well we'd love you. to hear that thanks so yes, much you, appreciate thank it you. um and well, our our listeners out there you know uh yeah. follow us on all of our socials like us on uh, facebook um yeah. on iTunes like and subscribe and leave a review because that's how more people can learn Find about, out us. about us um, we're we, really yeah. um, we're so impressed with like how much we've grown since we started in October but um, yeah so we just you know want to yeah. remind everybody out there and we're, we're a on, community here we're a community yeah. and we're on like every 
every podcast platform out there. So, um, and if we're not, let, well, us, let know. us know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on that one. So, right. but it's always it's always a pleasure here at, um, at Clearly Speaking the podcast. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening. Absolutely, we love you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.